up, everyone? This is Chester from Lincoln Park, and you're listening to Billboard's Ball It Out. Bitch, be humble. Hold up, bitch. Sit down. Hold up, Be humble. Hold up, bitch. Sit down. Yo, 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 what's up, All and Out fam? This is episode 20, and it's only Adele, and I say this with a thousand sad face emojis because Natalie, as you guys have known, she has moved on to bigger and better things at Bleacher Report, but we're still holding it down for Ballin' Out, and we have a couple of great interviews for our comeback episode. First up, we have Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington, who talks about his good goodbye video, which also stars NBA legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and also features cameos from Pusha T and Stormzy. So we talk a little bit about his basketball fandom. Um, Battle Symphony was also part of NBA's playoff highlight reel. So we had a good time with that one. And then right after Chester, we have this amazing, amazing life talk. And I say life talk because this guy just pours out gems and gems and gems. And he also has like a trillion jobs, putting me to shame. So we actually have a Green Bay Packer tight end and Super Bowl 51 champion Martellus Bennett on this episode. So we're going to keep it short and sweet and go right into Chester. Here it is. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to appear on Billboard Sports and Music Podcast, Ballin' Out. My pleasure. (laughs) There's two of my favorite things. Amazing. Sports and music. There you go. Well, you are the perfect guest. (laughs) So I know that you're a native of Phoenix, but talk to me about when you first, uh, you know, grew to love the Suns. I remember growing up, watching the Suns game, you know, with me and my dad, and, you know, um, it was like what I looked forward to the most, because I think it was like, you know, the most time you spend with your dad as a, as a, young, as a young kid, it's like watching games, like whether it's baseball or basketball or football, but for us in Arizona, it was the Suns, you know, um, this was before we had... Uh, you know, a baseball team, you know, long before we had a football team, before hockey came to town. Um, it's, you know, Phoenix has always been all about the sun. And so going to games at Veterans Memorial Coliseum, all that stuff. Walter Davis was the man. I loved watching Walter Davis play and Larry Nance. And, um, and then obviously, you know, the KJ era was huge. You know, it was great having you know, one of the greatest, uh, you know, point guards of all time playing for the Phoenix Suns. And then, you know, Tom Chambers and how awesome he was as a center and, um, you know, the rivalry between Phoenix and Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think the year I was born was the year that we uh, made the worst trade in the history of sports in the United States. Um, I think, that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was traded on a coin toss from Phoenix to Los Angeles. <laughs> so you were crying so, from the womb, basically, when that happened. I was crying. Yeah, I, I came in the world screaming because of that <laughs> trade. Yeah. 
Amazing. Now, I know that uh, for the upcoming playoffs, you know, uh, Linkin Park's uh, latest song, Battle Symphony, is going to be the soundtrack. But this isn't the first time that the band has, you know, collaborated with the NBA. So how does it feel to have your songs be sort of like the soundtrack to the playoffs? You know, one, it's, it's an honor to, um, you know, go on make, make, make a piece of music that the NBA would consider um, for any part of the season to be, you know, played during the games, or but especially during the playoffs. Um, it's such an exciting time uh, in the NBA, and as huge fans of the NBA, um, you know, we're always super pumped about it. And um, so, yeah, it, they've been awesome to work with in the past. You know, we hope to always, you know, to work with them in the future um, as often as possible because we love the sport and we, we love working with them. It's just a pleasure. The playoffs are starting on June 1. Who can you see taking it home? Oh, man, it's crazy right now. Um, I don't know. Houston's playing really well. Uh, did you guys see the – did you happen to see the uh, um, monster game that Westbrook had last night? Yes, like in, it was insanity. Dude. <laughs> Just went off. Guy is – guy's insane. Like – I've never seen someone, maybe other than Michael Jordan, who has played so hard that they look like they could probably just fall over and collapse, but like their willpower just to keep is keeping them going. And um, and and Westbrook looked like that last night, so that was really really awesome. Unfortunately, you know, they haven't found the answer to uh, Houston, but um, stoked for Harden and those guys. Um, uh, I, I I DVR'd and I and I refused to watch the um, news about the uh, Golden State game, so I still don't know the outcome. I've been like literally like anytime someone's talking about it, I mute it or, or like change the subject. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm going to watch the rest of that game today, but I'm assuming that Golden State won. And uh, but it was, looks like a really tough game. I've got through about three quarters of it and. Uh, it was up to the up to the point that I've seen. It was actually a really really good game, um, and so I, I have a feeling that Golden State's going to go all the way. It's going to be tough road for them. San Antonio is playing really well too. They're always great though, so you can never count them out. It would be awesome to see, um, you know, obviously the Clippers go. I'm an LA guy, so represent LA. It'd be great to see them go. Um, Let's see if they can pull the other four quarters, but be, I would love to see Golden State make it all the way again, um, get a title, and, uh, you know, Chicago is kind of like my underdog right now. Like, they're playing like badasses, so, you know, Butler's, a, Butler's the real deal. So, we'll see. Absolutely. Um, I know that there's an intense MVP debate between the two players that you recently mentioned, James Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook, so who do you think is actually going to take that title? Honestly, if Russell Westbrook doesn't win the MVP for what he's accomplished this year, then the whole idea of having an MVP candidate at all is, like, meaningless to me at this point. Whew, hot take. I like it. <laughs> to average a triple-double yes, it's is insane. impossible. And he did it. So, end of story. Period. I don't care. That's that guy fair. carried that team on his own into, in, he's a one-man show. He's like, that, he alone has gotten the thunder into the playoffs. 
Yes, absolutely. So if there's not a more important person to, that obviously is the most important person in that organization, I'm not taking anything away from the rest of those guys. You're, you've got to be a certain level of badass to even make it to the NBA. So let's just get that off. You know, If you're in the NBA, you're a great basketball player. But then you're amongst everybody else that you're around is also a great basketball player. So when you're playing at that level for an entire season and taking that intensity into the playoffs and having the game he had last night, I don't see how there's any argument for who the MVP should be. Um, you know, LeBron's great. Everybody else on that list is great. It's a really tough. There's a lot of great players in the NBA right now, and it's really fun to be a fan of the sport. But come on. Even the players would tell you that Russell Westbrook deserves it. Yeah, very valid point. Um, shifting gears a little bit, how do you feel about my hometown team, the Knicks, and you know everything that's been going on with Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony? Oh, the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> that's my reaction to whenever anyone asks me about the Knicks. I just laugh. Uh, <laughs> man, the team you have to respect. You know, obviously, their legacy is really great, um, you know, uh, but they're also one of those teams that, for me, just kind of gets under my skin. Um, so, I kind of am stoked that they're having problems right now, but at the same time, like, it bums me out because I love Bill Jackson, and he's, you know, he's obviously the best, and uh, Carmelo Anthony, really, there are players that, like, you know, it's like... Steve Nash, it's like, man, if anybody deserves to have a title, to, to have a, you know, a world championship title, it, it's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Carmelo is a great go down as a Hall of Famer, one of the best. I hope that he gets on a team or works something out in New York where they can put a team around him that can actually get him there. So, you know. But that's why I love the sport as opposed to just really focusing on teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I can get behind a great player. And there's so many good ones. It's fun to watch. Like, dude, Milwaukee right now? Watch out. Those guys are, if they can keep that young crew together, dude, like, look look out. That could be a serious problem for, you know, for a long time to come. Yeah, so, always rooting you know, for the underdog. There's a lot of awesome players right now, and Carmelo's definitely one of them. For sure. And, um, you know, uh, switching gears again a little bit, you know, you have a new album coming out, One More Light, uh, on May 19th. And you actually recently collaborated with Pusha T and Stormzy on Good Goodbye. Talk uh, talk about collaborating with those two. Well, we, um, this is the second time we worked with Pusha. Uh, He actually did a feature on on, um, Recharged, which is a remix album that we did of Living Things. And it was fantastic. Like, it's one of those rare times where, like, the remix I felt was better than the original. And, and a lot of that has to do with how dope Push's verse was, uh, verses were. So, um, you know, he's a great guy and really professional. And, you know, it's about business with that dude. Like, I love it. Stormzy is a, is a, a young artist that, you know, we've kind of like discovered a while ago and you know, we like, we like the grime scene. So, um, it's cool to see like, you know, that, that kind of world of hip hop emerging. 
and um, yeah, we reached out to him, and this was before his record exploded. We had no idea what was going to happen there, but um, we reached out to his camp and you know said we'd love to you know see if Storms would like to do something with us. And there was a lot of interest there, but he, obviously he was super busy. And we were like, "Is he really that into it?" And then. Um, um, he ended up turning in his verse at the very last minute, and uh, and that was right after his record dropped and kind of exploded and took over <laughs> the UK charts. And like, oh, that's probably why he's so busy, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it was great. Both guys are super pro. I think they added a lot to the song and made it really fun to listen to. Um, and and in in the uh, keeping with the theme of, of basketball. Um, the video we shot um, features, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time um, as the emperor of a dunk contest to the death in which I have to uh, go up against, you know, round after round of uh, dunking on dudes to, you know, to save my life. And um, and it's pretty fun. You know, we're, we're typically more known, I guess, I think we're kind of known for our more serious stuff, but this was a fun, um, a fun distraction from being so serious all the time. Who is the player that's going to be in the video? Okay, I can't tell you because it takes it, it takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> okay. But but I can say, arguably the greatest player of all time, which pretty much leaves it. About five guys in that conversation. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, when is the video dropping? What's that? When is the video dropping? Uh, it's got to be dropping, like, it's going to be dropping soon. I can't imagine it being more than, like, a week away. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely. Two weeks. Two weeks. Got it. So yeah. we'll definitely stay tuned for that. Um, and but going back to you know collaborating with Stormzy and Pusha T, you know Lincoln Park has always been very innovative and collaborative with people outside of um, you know new metal and rock. But I wanted to ask about what it was like uh, teaming with Jay Z for Collision Course in two thousand four, and do you guys still keep in touch? Um, working with Jay was awesome. Um, we really had a lot of fun. We have a ton of respect for Jay and. That was a really great experience, and it was fun for us to, one, be approached by Jay um, after, you know, MTV came to him and said, here's how the whole idea started. MTV got really pumped about the whole mashup idea after the Grey album blew up, okay? Um, and so they wanted to do a show where they took, like, six different artists, gave the artists like a song, they were gonna choose like one of each of the artist songs, mash them together, and then do like these kind of like televised performances of them. And and then they were gonna make a series out of it and just call it mashups. And they were just gonna, it was gonna be like a, like a rock and roll, hip hop kind of pop um, crossroads without the storytelling, right? So um, we were like, screw that idea. <laughs> One, we're super stoked that Jay, when they approached him, he said, yeah, if I was going to do this, I'd want to do it with Lincoln Park. So we were stoked about that. We were like, why don't we just do, like, the whole thing? We'll take 
we'll go through all of his, you know, biggest songs, we'll go through all of our biggest songs at the time, and we'll kind of, like, play with them and see what happens. And Mike put together, you know, the first taste of, like, like I think he took, like, four or five of our songs, mashed them together into a few tracks, sent them over to Jay and was like, here's what I'm thinking. And Jay's response was like, oh, shit. And so we pretty much, like, took over the whole idea. And my, I, one of Mike's greatest quotes of our career was, I want to do something that can't be done again. And if someone tries to do it again, it will always be compared to this. And so I was like, all right. And I think that, I think that he accomplished that. <laughs> Because Collision Course is pretty great, and um, I've got, I, I still to this day, like, I get kids who are, like, only hip-hop fans who are like, I didn't even listen to rock music until I heard Collision Course, and, like, you changed, like, I opened up rock music to me, and then, you know, um, kids who are only into rock music who, who fell in love with hip-hop after that record, so, um, it was, it was a great high point in our career, and it was a lot of fun to work with Jay, who still, you know, we'll hang out every once in a while, um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly not as close to him as uh, Chris Martin is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But yes, definitely. That numb and encore still rings off every time I hear it, even today. Um, but again, you know, looking forward to the next album. What do you hope that longtime Linkin Park fans uh, take away from this? And what do you think they'll be most surprised by? Um, well, I think the surprise has already hit them. It doesn't sound a lot like what people expect. Um, and that's something that we kind of pride ourselves on. We like to challenge ourselves in the studio to do something we haven't done before. And also, in turn, that kind of challenges our fan base. So, um, for me, you know, this is just a, a, a very personal record. Um, for all of us, we put a lot of hard work into the lyrics, into the melodies. Um, and, and we wrote the songs from a very pure place uh, in that sense and built these tracks around, um, you know, that effort. And I really feel like we've, we've created something special and it may take some of our super hard rock fans uh, a minute to, to process it, but um, I, I, I'm positive that the songs are, um, are really great and, uh, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully people... Uh, feel the same way. You better have some place to go Cause you can't come back around here Good, goodbye Good, goodbye And that was Sir Chester Bennington from Linkin Park. Uh, you know, I used to be a super, super hardcore Linkin Park fan. I actually bought the uh, Hybrid Theory album in the Philippines randomly and was just really obsessed with that song, uh, Crawling, <laughs> as well as In the End. Um, but now here is the wonderful Martellus Bennett. Dinosaurs and dynamite. Boom. It's a new world. Hope you're ready for a revolution. What's up, Ballin' Out fam? Today we have a very special guest in person, um, and he has quite a lot of bullet points on his resume. He is a tight end for the Green Bay Packers, a Super Bowl 51 champion. He is also the founder of the creative firm, The Imagination Agency, made Forbes top 30 under 30 for athletes, and we can keep going, but probably most importantly, he is a father to the most adorable daughter named Jet. Martellus, welcome to Ballin' Out. 
Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all make me sound awesome. I know. And I also have to mention that you recently dropped an EP called I'm Not a Rapper, but Some of My Friends Are. So talk to me about why you decided to title it that. Well, for one, there's this there's this negative um, connotation that goes wrong with athletes rapping, you know, whatever it may be. But I don't really view myself as a rapper. I just view myself as a creative. So I just find as many facets and mediums to tell different stories or to express myself. So I thought it would be important to tell people that, hey, look, I'm not a rapper, but I do have some bars, you know. So, <laughs> um and then it was kind of cool because a lot of my friends are rappers and it's just making sure that they understand that I don't take their genre and their creative format for granted. You know, it's not easy. It's not something that you could just come in and do, but it's something that we have fun with. We freestyle in the cars. We do all kinds of different stuff. So it's just like a chance to hang out with my friends and their creative outlets and kind of create with them as well. Now, these are the friends that you mentioned. You're talking about like Matchbox Tony, David Allen Dope, like all of these people. Did you grow up with them? How did you meet them? So, and so like Keith, so um, I used to be part of an alternative hip hop group called the Moonshine Kids early, like in um, 07 and 2008, whatever. So we used to do a little like, it was kind of like nerd kind of. And then I left there. We stopped doing that. Then I started doing more hip hop, but we were kind of similar to like, um, Currency, um, Dom Kennedy, and uh, Smoke Dizza, and that group were kind of like in the same areas, um, kind of same genre as mm-hmm. them. And then it was it was me and my little brother, Shot Money, mm-hmm. and um, so we did a lot of music. We performed a lot, and we met a lot of different people. And um, Matchbox, Tony used to be um, in a group called Sore Losers, who mm-hmm. were kind of similar to like what we did, more skateboarders type stuff and things like that. So we kind of, I knew each other. Everybody kind of grew up in Dallas a little bit, kind of knew each other then. And we kind of branched off and then everyone started doing different things. I always say it was pretty cool because uh, there was a huge creative, creative group. Like there was this guy called Uncommon Color. Like um, I was just watching... Um, Kendrick Lamar's video the other day, and the guy that's sitting right next to him is a guy named Blue. Blue, Blue is great. He's You're an artist. Talking about DNA or Humble. Humble Which video. Humble. Okay. Yeah. So like, there's at the table, and I was like, Oh man, Blue's in the video. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but Blue's an artist. Yeah. Like he just strictly like he does art. He doesn't do like music and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he's a really talented artist. But we all kind of grew up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we were all early twenties and stuff like that. So um, everybody kind of went in different fields, and I started doing more kids and and children's stuff and. Doing, working on scores and soundtracks for like the films and stuff that I do um, but and David Allen Dope my friend Desi he kind of manages David and um, kind of he does manages Desi and uh, I mean Keith and David Allen Dope mm-hmm. so that's how I, I know Keith for a long time too because they always been around Desi that's amazing when did you um, first start to write bars do you remember the first time you ever did that? Oh, I've been, I'm from Houston, so I grew up with, you know, Lil Kiki, Slim Thug, you know, Young Star, when we used to, fun, when we used to freestyle beating on the table, I'ma come down, I'd have came through. So we used to freestyle like that from our childhood up. And then even in college, I used to make these silly rap songs. I always try to have fun with music. Um, um, I used to make these songs, like I made this song called Throw Me The Ball Coach. And... Um, it kind of didn't get accepted the way that I thought that it would, but a lot of fans liked it. How did you release it? Throw uh, me the ball, coach. Like, was in, this was in two thousand and six, maybe. Yeah. So, 
I don't remember. I think I probably posted it on Facebook because that's when Facebook was when you had to have an EDU. Um, yes. And email when it was address. just college only. Yeah, yeah. which was probably it was really good times <laughs> yeah. then too. But but then they used to play at like the local bars and stuff after the games and stuff. So it was kind of funny. Uh, but we just put it out, and then after that, when I got first got in the league, we started making a whole lot of music uh, with the Moonshine Kids and stuff. Like my first, like I probably have like I probably have over five hundred songs. That's that I've amazing. done over the last 10 years. And you recorded this all in your home? Uh, I mean, I started off with, like, you know, with the the old pop filter uh, <laughs> thing. Recording going, in yeah, the closet yeah. <laughs> type of situation. Yeah, we all were doing that. And then kind of kind of got, as we got better and better, it kind of grew up. So first we were like, um, like Lucius and... Um, and uh, the movie that Three Six Mafia did all the music for, it was kind of like him at first, and then we got better and better, and then um, like then we start going to the studios and stuff. And then I built my I used to have an art studio in Dallas in Deep Ellum, where a lot of people used to come and create. I had this creative uh, outlet for anybody that wanted to do art or music or different things because we do a lot of art shows as well. So um, then we built a studio in there and we started doing it all out of there. Mm-hmm. Where did that love for art come from? Just like you know, music and. <laughs> Writing, where did that all come from growing up? Well, um, it's funny because creativity is like, it's just like a lot of people ask me to teach them creativity or like, you know, like do like lessons or stuff, but it's like, shit, bro, I don't know. It's just like, it's just part of who I am. Like, I can't, I can't go a day without creating in some facet. So, um, storytelling came from a young age when I was a kid and I got in trouble. My mom used to make me write these stories about like, you know, what I did, you know, if I was wherever it may be at the time but then those stories just telling the truth got boring so it was just like I just started making shit up you know start adding you know dinosaurs to the story and things like I mean if your story sucks just add more dinosaurs and a couple of dragons <laughs> and, a, and a little bit of magic and you got you got something great then you know yeah. so if you just always when young kids ask me about their stories I just tell them add more dragons bro so <laughs> uh, sounds like a campaign <laughs> yeah so that. but um and then I grew up in band. I played uh, several instruments growing up. I was always first chair, and uh, trombone was my main instrument. So I grew up in playing in a symphony and in band and stuff like that. And um, and I grew up beating at the on the lunch table with um, with pencils. And, and, and I mean, I remember when the beat grinding came out. Um, that That's beat definitely was, lunch yeah, table. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> popping on their face and everything. So. Um, and then in Houston, it was a good time, too, because we had, you know, you had Fat Pat, um, like I said, Slim Thug still doing his thing. Then you had um, the whole Swisher House. You had Mike Jones, Chameleon Air, Paul Wall, um, you know. So all those guys were all. down royalty, rap yes, royalty. Yes, and I, I was, and when that was hot, that's when we were up. So we were all freestyling because that's what everyone in Houston did. Yeah, so. that's so wild. Now, I know that you also had a mixtape in 2014 called The Year of the Orange Dinosaur, and then you had a song on this EP called uh, Dinosaurs and Dynamite. Yeah. Where did the you know the infatuation with dinosaurs come from? I've, I've always loved dinosaurs. I think they're fascinating creatures. But um, so I went through a demasking phase in my life. So uh, we all wear masks depending on where we are, who we're with, we put on a different version of ourselves that we feel like those people want to see or those people like. that. So no one truly sees the fully ver- full version of us because we only allow people to see what we want them to see by putting on these masks. So I went through this demasking period, which is why this tape was called A Year of the Orange Dinosaur because it was a year after that period for me. But um, 
basically every time I met a different version of myself, I created like a character in that costume because I felt like we were all wearing these different costumes and I wanted to get to the point where I've been suppressed so long when I was playing in Dallas that I wanted to reveal my true self and be the same person every single day no matter what. So I went through this process of like every time I go somewhere, I'm like, man, what am I doing? Like I'm in a business meeting with some, you know, some uppity white folks or wherever it may be with my friends in the hood or wherever it may be, different people I'll put on these different you know, these different images of myself. So I then just started slicing and cutting down each mask, each mask. And I've, and the dinosaur has always been my favorite creature. So, um, and it's one of the oldest creatures. So I felt like it was the oldest form of myself and when I'm most like myself. So that's why the year of the orange dinosaurs, like this is just the year where I'm finally done with the demasking period. And this is like who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're Marty Soros Rex now. Yeah, Marty Soros Rex yeah. on Twitter. Um, anybody can add. Rex to the end of their name, though, or Soros Rex. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> of course. And I also feel like the whole talking about, you know, taking off your masks in front of different crowds, I feel like I, I it calls to mind Future's mask off song. Oh, so yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so for his mask off, is a little bit different from my <laughs> mask off. <laughs> yeah, for oh. sure. Is there anybody? Uh, um, everybody yeah. doing that, that, that thing, which is genius marketing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, is there uh, anybody in the rap world right now that you know you would really love to collaborate with? Uh, uh, musically? Uh, or it doesn't even have to be Rap World, actually. Who, think, whoever you feel like you'd want to uh, work with. That's a good question. Um, there's a lot of good artists out right now, but I'm trying to think about who I would like to make music with. Childish Gambino, I would love to do something with him. I think it would be awesome. Um, Shoot, Erica Badu is my Baduism is my all-time favorite album. Um, so I listen to all. That's why I've listened to the most when I create. Um, I love to do something with um, with John Williams or Danny Danny Elfman on the score side of things. Uh, those are two of my favorite composers. Um, other than that, like you know, I don't really know. I'll make music with whoever. Like, they need a future for me. I'll just jump on it anyway and just do it for free. Have you ever, like, met an artist in person where you were like, you know what, well, maybe we should, like, meet in the studio one day and just see what happens? I'd meet, the talk to, the, back in the day, Chris Brown. I told Chris Brown that, you know, um, um, Currency. I've been around Currency on multiple occasions. Um, I mean, I, was, I think people, I told Casey Veggies that not too long ago on Twitter. Um, Larry June, I like Larry June and what he's doing right now. His last tape was cool. Um, and then Asher Roth mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, and he, but he was the voice of um, the Penguin in my first animated series as well. So there's like several people that I just be like, hey man, you need a verse, just hit me. I think they think I'm joking though. So I'm like, hey man, y'all need <laughs> you a verse. Let them know I'm serious. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of want to do like one Lil Wayne after he did like the Squad Up mixtape. So he just kind of went everywhere and did fe- uh, features for everybody. You know, and Joel Santana kind of did the same thing in that one period. And Joel's and Lil Wayne had that when they used to do those collaborations. It was just crazy. So um, I just feel like I just want to go around because for me, I just want to go around making music. Yeah, I don't care who I make music with, as long as I get to you know sit down. I I enjoy the process of storytelling. Do you feel like it's two different people, like you know, tight end Martellus versus rapping Martellus or creative Martellus? No, it's the same. I'm the same dude. Like you know, I write write songs about Whole Foods. You know, like I shop at Whole Foods. (laughs) So (laughs) gotta stay healthy. Yeah. So it's just like. 
No, I, I feel like I'm the same person all the time. I think that's why I get along with a lot of people because what you see is what you get. Like I, after I went through that period that we were talking about, the masking period is like it's the same. Like everything is, it's not a separation. It's just it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. So it's just a part of just who I am. Like mm-hmm. I am a musician at the same time as I am an author or a children book writer. You know, I think one of the coolest people that I love, and I think he had one of the greatest careers and able able to jump back and forth is Ice Cube. Cause he could make Are You There Yet? And then he could come back and say, fuck the police. And it's just kinda like, <laughs> right. oh, damn, how do you do it? <laughs> then he'll drop Friday, you yeah. know? So it's just like, like the way that he does things, is that's like one person I would love to sit down and just like talk to and just like, you know, see how he went about doing different things because he was awesome in all, in all phases. Well, we're gonna have to put out the bat sign for Ice Cube. Yeah, now Ice Cube out there. Holla at me, man. <laughs> what was your victory anthem after you won Super Bowl Fifty One? I was at that game, by the way, and that I That's wow, crazy. it was just insanity. I actually made a victory playlist for title. Um, I I would have to say, um, man, it seemed like so long ago. Right now, music changes so fast. Oh, That's the only yeah. thing about music now that, like, a lot of new music doesn't last long. Um, you know, I think it's more trendy. It's almost like music is kind of like Zara, you know, Zara fashion. You know, they make stuff and it's like you wear a couple times and you throw it away. And I think <laughs> a lot of music is like yeah. that right now. Um, but at that time, hold on, I could tell you exactly what it was, honestly. Let me look real quick. Because I literally made That's an interesting way of looking at music, though. It's, it. you know, I come from the generation where everybody was like, downloading on Napster and, you yeah. know, giving hard copies of their, you know, mixtapes to people. But now it's just kind of like, all right, we're done with one album. When's the next one coming? Exactly, yeah. So it was like, like, or I was listening to, um, I love Styles P. So mm-hmm. I was listening to Styles We just had him in the office really? this week. So yes. I love Styles P. So I was listening to Styles P. Um, it was a super gangsta album, I think yeah. it was, but I was listening to it, like, I've just been listening to it back and forth for the last couple of weeks. But even, like, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, he'll drop three verses on a song. You know, most guys, you know, they'll write two twelves and that's it, you know, yeah. and the rest is just more about the chorus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when he when he raps, it's just kind of like, God damn, this dude be rapping. Yes. I, I like people like, you know, like, I used to love Freeway, you mm-hmm. know, I like guys who just, yeah. just rap, yeah. you know, and... Uh, and they also have a message because a lot of times I feel like a lot of messages that's going out for like the younger generation aren't that great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about you know drugs, you know Percocets, and going to the club. Molly Percocets. Like, <laughs> yes. damn, that's in the course. You know, <laughs> not right. <laughs> yeah, you, you have one. You have one. That's why I like it's tall and tall right. enough. But it's like that's uh, crazy. Uh, Styles and um, Talib Kweli actually just dropped a project called the Seven EP, and it's just like you know talking about political messages. I feel like you would be a fan of that as well if you haven't gotten a chance to check I like it out. I like Quali. Yeah. Um, I think, right, I think, um, I like a, um, a Boogie with a hoodie, the um, bag on me with yes. Don Q, and Big Amount with 2 Chains was like my main song, and it's a vibe, it's been like one of the, I love 2 Chains too, yeah. 2 Chains. You definitely keep your ear to hip hop a lot. Like, you know every song <laughs> Yeah, like so, popping right now. Yeah, so I listen to, like I was like I was like the discover artist before people like Ellie Golding like I loved her before she was even huge over here and I remember because I was how'd on my, you discover her I was on my honeymoon and I just <laughs> was listening to her album the first one she released and I was like I told my wife I was like man she's gonna blow up she's really really good and um and and she's like who then I started listening to it then like we got back like two months later she's like the hottest thing out yeah. and same thing with like Wiz um I actually was at. Man, I was I knew 
ran into Wiz when he was performing at like birthday parties. You know what I'm wow. saying? He performed at one of my friend's birthday parties and and we were there and I was just kinda like it was just kinda like um growing up and then he dropped orange uh cushion orange mm-hmm. juice and that and that blew him up. Yeah. But then people don't realize how close to him and currency was in the beginning because yeah. they had all those tapes together right. that they did. And um, but I like to discover music too, so I'm always looking for people like, oh man, this guy's gonna be good, or this guy's pretty cool, or whoever it may be. But I don't just listen to one genre. Like, I love like, I love Sia, you know. I love I love a little bit of everyone. So yeah. it's just like I still I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know. Yeah. It's like they're 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 awesome. So yeah. I mean, beyond like recording music, would you ever consider like like a career in the music business after football is done? No, I think it, I don't think it's good business. I think it's just I mean, right now, like just to like one album sell equals like thirty three music streams now. So, mm-hmm. like I was, I was reading something the other day, and I thought like Drake would have like one billion uh, streams, and that's equivalent to like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. And it's just kind of like, dude, yeah, you, it's uh, the numbers game for real. Yeah, the numbers game sucks. Yeah. So like, even though like people are being like the most streamed people of the world, like back in the day, they're selling that many albums. Like they'll just be sitting on a cash cow right now, yeah. you know. So it's just, I mean, it's business wise, it's just different. I'm more into interested in scoring. I love the gorillas and how they do like the village, mm-hmm. um, visuals and stuff like that. So I've always been thinking about doing possibly doing like an animated series where it's like these kids that meet and they kind of come from different places and they kind of make music. But then like the concerts would be more like movies, not just like there won't be any people there. Yeah. Or, I mean, not like on stage or whatever. It'll just be like you'll write animated series and it'll be like this concert where you go see this movie and everyone will go at the same time and it'll just be these kids making all the music and hip hop or whatever mm-hmm. and you get to see the story and each album would be a new um, film. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff is like what I'm interested in on the film side creatively, just like exploring more ranges mm-hmm. of doing it because like even music videos suck now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Missy Elliott. I mean, Kendrick. I know. I miss the Missy Elliott. See, but days. Kendrick's his video is great. All phenomenal. of them. Yeah. But who else is doing videos like that? Everybody else just got a bunch of pretty, you know, girls pretty or whatever at a pool, at a pool or wherever it may be <laughs> in Miami. And, yeah, and it's yeah. just like you know they they shoot with the same art direction. You know, like the art direction is pretty yeah. much the same. It's like it's not really challenging. That's why I love Sia because her music videos are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, so like the visuals that go along with songs. So that, but it's just that. Artists, the same thing with artists are moving so fast mm-hmm. that they like there's another chance to tell the story in a different uh, medium, mm-hmm. but for them it's more about getting it out there and keep it coming, keep it coming mm-hmm. so people could because they know that it's not going to last as long as it once did. So, any plans for you to do music videos to any of the songs uh, that were on your EP? I don't know, but one thing I am interested in, I'm interested in doing like my favorite songs, like music that I like. And kind of making videos, even without the, not with, they don't have to have the artists in them, yeah. but like more like films that I think that fit, short films that fit with just that song, where just the song will be playing as the the whole score mm-hmm. of the film. So, um, I mean, you have a creative agency, so you can totally yeah, do it. Just, so just got to get those clearances. Yeah, right. I'm super, like, I'm super interested in that. Like, that's why I'm super interested in, like, just finding, like, basically making a playlist that I love like these are my all time favorite songs where it's like Apple Tree by Erica Badu and just be like "All right, how's this what's going on in this video it's like Adam and Eve what's going on what's going whatever so or you know just like picking songs or like uh, We Right Here by I love DMX I think he's Mm -hmm. a top five artist and everyone looks at me crazy when I say that but DMX is one of the best I mean he's one of I love him because when he like one thing I think a lot of artists like back in the day had like when they spoke 
was, you could feel their pain or you could feel their story, you could feel their lyrics, you could feel like Nas was the same way, you know, everyone's like that. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people love Chance, because the way he uses his voice, he uses it as an instrument as well, he's not just, you know, so, um, so it's pretty, I mean, it's very interesting, like just guys who have the total package, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just that goes on. But you know it when you hear it. and. Like when you when you think of rappers like Chance, for example, like you can hear the talent as soon as like a song comes on. Yes, you could tell like okay, this guy has something here, and um, he put thought into what he's saying. Yes, it, it means something to him. Like you know, when he's crafting, he's working on his craft. Because for me, imagination, creativity is just like any muscle. So like, I'd have to do squats, I have to do sprints, I have to go run. You know, and I think it's the same thing with creativity. You have to exercise those creative muscles for them in order for them to get stronger and to grow. And or like some kids that tell me they want to write books, but they don't read books. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of the best rappers that you know are highly intelligent, mm-hmm. and they read a lot. They just they're very aware of what's going on. But I mean, they may not tell you that they read books, but they've got they, <laughs> right. you know they're pretty smart or you know they're pretty smart people. I just yeah. think you could really be you can't really create for that many people in the world and not really be in tune or always kind of grow as a person because if you don't, there's no growth in you as a person, then your audience is actually growing without you. Mm-hmm. So if you have a tree and you're the trunk of that tree and your audience are the branches and the leaves on that tree, if that branch outgrows the trunk, eventually it falls off. Mm-hmm. So you lose that audience. And I think that kind of happened, like, let's say, like, uh, not that I'm a music expert, but, you know, like Young Jeezy, like, you know, Young Jeezy, you know, bam, 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 bam. But then his his content kind of was in the same place. And he didn't really grow as far as like Jay Z. He grew up with his the music grew up as he grew up. Like the stuff that he rapped about was totally different. Yeah. The things, but Jeezy kind of stayed in that same lane. Or like you take a guy like, and then some guys switch over that shouldn't switch over. Like it happened to Wale mm-hmm. when Wale went to doing more trap than when he was doing like the go go stuff in um, DC in the beginning. You know, the now Nikes. he's rapping in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you yeah. want to hear. You like yeah. it when he does you the poetry. Yeah. You want to see yeah. when Wale the do the poetry. poetry? You be like, come yeah. on, Wale. That's what I'm talking about right here. He's talking the draws off the girls out there. That's, that's the Wale I like. You know, what yeah. saying then he do a couple <laughs> trap songs with the other guys here and yeah. there instead of going all trap. Yeah, guy who did the other guy who did that that I thought was um, that messed up though that went the opposite way was Bob. Mm-hmm. When Bob was doing airplanes and um, they got nothing on you. Oh Very yeah, mainstream this is, friendly. Yeah. Oh, because that's Bob. He was yeah. able to transition and then he could go do songs with the other people yeah. as well. And he's probably one of the most talented like musicians that were out there. You know, he's like, you know, everybody was like, oh, he's like a Andre 3000, you know, mm-hmm. at first, you know, but then he started doing mostly just the other side of hip hop things, you know, and mm-hmm. um, he kind of like kind of disappeared for a little bit. So, I mean, it's everybody's like a little bit different, but um, the other group I like too is, uh, I like Zoe Kravitz music. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is it Lola Wolf? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lola Wolf be, they jam too. I'll be listening to that all the time. And the other guy, Alvin, that was good that people don't, I don't know if people listen to, was Idris Elba. Oh, I mean, he's a DJ. I didn't yeah, know the, he the, had like the, actual the, music. I mean, though. the album that he put out was, yeah. it was good. I was like, oh, I like this well, you're album. you're putting me on to Idris Elba. That's crazy. Yeah, now album, I, have to, I have to check him out. That's his insane. album was good. I like. I enjoyed it. And then, I mean, because I just, I like the, like, I, I like the experiment. Like, yeah. I want to hear, because creatively, what you listen to influences you as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of hip hop, like the way that the beats go, you can't really think because the wavelength that it's on 
kind of blocks your own creative mm-hmm. path, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then there's like a, it's just a constant loop, so it doesn't really change and kind of sets the tone for more inspiration. Is that what you? Yeah. Saying? So like, yeah. if you listen to like, I like to listen to like scores because all when you listen to all the bands, all the instruments. It like opens up a different path for you to think through, if that makes sense. I yeah. don't even know if they. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But that. like, like it just it's like a whole different experience of thought that you're able to tap into because when you listen to, uh, say, like a lot of boom, 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 bang, 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 it just kind of blocks it because it's just kind of like your mind's not able to, tr- to go into a different frequency because yeah. there's different wavelengths and people vibrate at different, um, at different. Uh, what is it? Megahertz or some shit? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so we well, all... We'll check it after. Like, that's what vibes are. So yeah. it's like, oh, I got a vibe. Because everyone has vibrations. Yeah. yeah, we all have vibrations to one another. So yeah. you're able to, like, you could vibe with someone very well because your vibrations are in sync. Yeah. But then some people you don't vibe with. And it's not that they're a bad person. It's just that you're... It's just two different frequencies. Yeah. So it's like trying to listen to several different types of music at once. Sure. It's like the locker room sometimes because we have like five DJs. There'll be a speaker down here, <laughs> yeah, speaker gonna, down I was going to say, are you one of those DJs? I'm the, I'm the best DJ. <laughs> okay. Only because What's the difference between like a Patriots locker room and a Packers locker room when it comes to music that's being played, though? Is there a difference? No, there's not. No, there's not. No, you'd be surprised. Especially when you're the DJ. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, for me, it was cool because a lot of people like it when I DJ because... I have an eclectic mix of music. So, like, even, like, the what I call White Boy Wednesdays is when I try <laughs> to play most of the music for the, the my white teammates to make sure yeah. they feel included, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it may be a little um, Luke Bryan, you know, yeah. you know, but I play, like, the main songs for Luke Bryan that even if you don't really know, you might, oh, this is kind of good. Yeah. I don't go too deep into it's it. No where Luke Bryan deep cuts. It's just like, okay. yeah, so it's like when you take someone to eat sushi, you know what I'm saying? You can't just go take them to the Nagari. You got to yeah. take them to the California roll right. first. Like, hey, let me get, hey, just try They'll this warm one. up to the sashimi and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. Then they, hey, they warm up to the other <laughs> stuff. And it's like, yeah, try that. Oh, yeah, okay. Then they start going down the line. But you just give them too much. They, they just want to turn it away. Right. You know how our community yeah. is. And I learned from um, in football, like, as a young kid, what I learned is that musically everything has been a compromise because you listen to what the group want to listen to. So you think that you love that music. Because everyone else does. Yeah, but yeah. you don't never really experience it for yourself, so you never explored all the different genres to see what you truly like. Like I love like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love um, the Doors, you know. But I'll try to tell like the guys in the locker room that a lot of rock and roll, like what they hear, came from the black community with Chuck Berry and all those mm-hmm. guys. But I was like, because I, I tell guys like we play Cleveland, which is you know Cleveland, you know who wants to go to Cleveland, right? But it's like let's go to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's just it's very interesting to see where it, where it came from, and they don't know that we're a huge part of rock and roll. Yeah, you know, they only look absolutely. at the hip hop side of things. But for us, it even goes back to to slavery. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, a big part of communicating to different plantations were drums, yeah. you know, just beating a drum. So like, but then they try to take the drums away because you cut off the communication. And then there's, you know, that's the number one form of battle. If you go and battle with someone, if you cut their communication, mm-hmm. then you have a higher percentage chance of winning. Wow. Because they you can't, if they can't communicate. They don't know what the hell's going on. You know, this right. shit, that platoon on the left might just be. And you can't just say it directly. Yeah, you have to like, yeah, yeah. alternative. Hey yo, <laughs> hey, yo they blowing shit up over here. Right. Hey, watch your back. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. of communication, then you have a huge chance of yeah. like just uh, your whole tactic just changes. So, right. um, 
but I don't know. It's cool. Me and my brother freestyle in the car and stuff, and I don't know. I just I just like music. Yeah, for sure. I mean, any any chance that you're gonna be dropping like an an album, like a concept album? Yeah. So me and Matchbox Tony, I'm actually gonna have dinner with him. He's gonna be at dinner with me tonight. We've been talking about doing. Um, a full-length album together. We're starting like a little duo group. Uh, we just been any thinking, names. I have a long. He's been sending me names for like <laughs> ten days. I, but then I was like, bro, I thought we already had the name. But then I forgot what the name was. But we just been passing beats and stuff. But it's really um, uh, the name of the album is just when we call Big Ass Kids because that's where we are. But it's just like and just basically there's gonna be like a lot of like pieces of like Sega Genesis and the instrumental and things that we grew up, you know, like, you know, things that we video like, games. video games, games and stuff yeah. like that, things we grew up, but like um, telling stories about like, you know, just kind of who we are as people, but um, it should be fun. He's he's really, really talented, um, Matchbox, and he, um, he's super smart too. He's like a guy that's always reading, you know, always challenging. He runs his own business and stuff, so he likes to rap, just, just make music because you said the same thing. He's not a rapper too. He kind of hated that. I put him in the uh, the friends. Some of my friends are rapper part. He's like, I should be on the front part. I'm not a rapper. <laughs> That's funny. I said we should yeah. just call our group. We're not rappers, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, whatever. But some of our friends. Are. Yeah, some of our friends are, and this is who they are. Start putting things up there. But like, even like the the album covers and stuff like that I do and stuff are like super in tune of with, you know, still like cartoons and stuff that we grew up on and things like that. So. Uh, it'd be does cool. Does your to, daughter love your music? Actually, or do you she, not let her? <laughs> actually, she does. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I I wrote this uh, yesterday. I was I found this I have like I found like some old mixtapes or whatever, and I was listening to it in a car. And then what me and my daughter do is she's like it's my turn. So she <laughs> she's like, she wants I'll to be DJ now. she wants to listen to trolls like my oh. turn, daddy trolls. And she <laughs> called. Um, Justin Timberlake's song, Sunshine in My Pocket, you know, oh, so it's funny what kids yeah. call song names, because then you'd be like, that's maybe that's what they should have called it, exactly. the name of the song, yeah. you know, so Sunshine in My Pocket, so I'll play a song, and then it's Sunshine in My Pocket, then I'll play a song, and then it's Sunshine in My Pocket, <laughs> I'll play a song, and then it's Sunshine in My Pocket, and I'm like, <laughs> you probably know the entire, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, and, but the, it's funny, because your kids start getting older, they start singing along with music, yeah. so you have to watch what you play around them, mm-hmm. too, because my daughter always looks for opportunity to say shit, you know, um, and then she'll say, like, shit, I not say that. And I was like, you, <laughs> you, just, you just said that. But sometimes she'll say it, and I'll just be like. She's just trying to test the waters and see well, if she'll, she'll get away say, with it. Well, uh, she'll come, or I'll say shit, and she's like, daddy, I want to say that. So I'll be, like, I'll be like, all right, come over here. You can say it. And then she'll be like, shit. Then my, my wife be like, what are y'all doing in there? <laughs> Like I just told her she could say it. She's like, that's why she says it, because you let her say it sometimes. So I'm like, that's what daddies do. You know, we eat ice cream before dinner, yes. you know. But I try to get her not to tell on me right now because it's like we have, like, because growing up with my dad, my dad's an IT guy. So I grew up building computers, and when we built computers together, we um, would eat ice cream like Rocky Road. So, like, me and my daughter, we'll build a robot or things like that, and we'll eat Rocky Road or different ice creams. And it, sometimes it's not supposed to be eating ice cream. Like, I, I didn't know if you were, you had a cold, yeah. and you're not supposed to eat ice cream. Like, <laughs> yeah. the dairy's not good. Yeah. She, who, no, uh, but you just let her have it. Yeah, yeah. so, like, sometimes she'll I'll be like, hey, go get the ice cream. She'll go get the ice cream. I, we, love, I love, we both love mochi as well, yeah. so I'll be like, go get the mochi. So she'll go get it, and then... She'll come back, like she have ice cream on. I was like, you didn't wipe your mouth and then my wife's like, What are you doing? She's like, Daddy gave me ice cream. 
the whole operation is one. Yeah, yeah, snitch. No, I told her the other day. I said, snitches get stitches. So she started walking around the house like, mommy, stitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. And she's like, what are you talking about? That's amazing. But they pick up on everything. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing, like how they move and how much they are like you. My daughter loves to dance because. From a young age, I tell her if there's every music playing, you never miss your opportunity to dance. Mm-hmm. So she always asks me to dance with her, and uh, I dance with her as often as possible. And I play. My wife loves to play music, and my wife's um, like my sister-in-law does music as well. Her mm-hmm. name is Jenna Bell, and mm-hmm. she's one of she has one of the most beautiful voices I ever heard in my life. She's one of like her voice is actually an instrument, like mm-hmm. it's like a harp, like it's yeah. like what the fuck? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but like my daughter loves to dance and she loves music. So anytime music is on, she dances. She dances, which I think is fabulous. Cause mm-hmm. in life, a lot of us don't dance enough. You know, we're too cool too to dance. Shy. I yeah. mean, you don't want to be like Odell Beckham all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you want to be able to, you know, enjoy your friends yeah. and dance. I mean, cause often it's not really about the music. I mean, a bad DJ could ruin the night. Let's yeah. just yeah. But the people that you with or who makes, make it, yeah, make who the make party. It. Yeah, yeah, they make the parties. Not the location, not the name of the club. It's the people that you hang out with and how you vibe with one another and how you dance. So like in our house, you know, like there's music going on all the time in our house and it's like, like my family is weird. Like we'll have the Harry Potter. My daughter just got into Harry Potter. It's like the coolest shit ever because my wife loves Harry Potter and I love Harry Potter. We have a Harry Potter marathon. So like now it's like we get to watch it all for the first time because my daughter's like, okay, so who's Harry? I was like, okay, that's <laughs> Harry. She's like, I want to be Harry Potter. So now me and her will have Harry Potter costumes on while we watch <laughs> oh, Harry Potter, it. you know? Yeah. So, um, but like I have the Harry Potter score playing like in the house because I like to work to. Um, to scores. To, yeah, I yeah. like the mainly that. That's one of my favorite because it's mm-hmm. easy. Like, it gets me on the wave. I don't know. That's one of my favorite ones. So and Home Alone. It's magical. Is, Home Alone <laughs> is very good, too. Yeah. Um, a good, which was, uh, was very cool. But so we'll try to act out what happened in the movie at those times. So we'll just walk around and we'll just act like we're Harry Potter and just <laughs> spit out the lines and stuff. But, um, but it's cool because like, even like I had her three magic wands made or carved by hand for her for her birthday when she turned three. So she has these three magic wands and they're all different. They got three different colors and different things like that that signify three. But so she does Legati Levioso. So she does all the magic tricks and stuff. That's that's really cool. That's adorable. Uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, music is awesome. Like you need music because you ever watch a movie. But people don't realize how important music is to movies. Mm-hmm. Especially like, scary movies. You ever just not have the scary music on? It's like it's not scary anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No, yeah. it sets the mood. Like, yeah. you know who else is awesome that I love that does music? Mac Miller. Oh, yes. I oh, love Mac yeah. Miller. I would like to work with him as well. He's funny, too. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, without the score, it sucks. But that's life, too. Mm-hmm. Most of our memories are tied to songs. Yep. You know, like, I was talking to my wife. I was like, look, we got two. Like, we have a, we never got had a wedding. We just went to the courthouse or whatever and got married. But we have, like, this anniversary party. And we're talking about who's going to DJ and, like, should we have musical performance? I have these two friends, they're twins named Coco and Breezy. Mm-hmm. They're super talented oh, yeah. designers, yeah. and they do um, music. Well, I knew them since they were, like, 16 or whatever. So I was like, oh, we, they'll DJ. But then I was like, there's only two options for performing at the party. You know what I'm saying? I was either, either you got to get Nelly. <laughs> Yeah. Cause oh man, of course he's the he's the life of the party. If you have but him there. the music that he yeah. made, like there's gonna be fifty hits songs, on hits, yeah, yeah, that everyone knows. Or, or you take this one, you go with Jagged Edge. Oh my God, yes, I am such a Jagged Edge fan. I love Jagged oh Edge, God. like it, Jagged Edge. Yeah. Like, 
And it was, so good. it was funny because it was like Jagged Edge, like people don't really like until you name somebody, you don't realize how much music they have made until mm-hmm. you start like going through the catalog. Yeah. Oh, wow, I love this song. Yeah. I love this song. And then I was like, because it'll be, it could keep the party upbeat. But I mean, just Nelly just come out with the, it's hot in here just to start with. Yeah. Man. You know, give me have two pairs. <laughs> I know. I can't afford both of them though. So, yeah, but that's insane. But it's cool. Yeah. You know, I still. Like it's just like music is just it's part of us so for sure um and i mean you're also in town for uh for an event with macy's to do a reading for the kids right uh tomorrow i yes. believe so talk to me a little bit about how and why you founded the imagination agency so um so the imagination agency we're a multimedia company and it's a, basically a place where you know it's kind of like good music you know getting out of my dreams you know things like that but um um creatively like in the black community we don't have a lot of black creators on a large scale of doing stuff like on a blockbuster level or um there's only been one major cgi film ever directed by African-American, you know, and it started, that's, I mean, Toy Story was the first CGI film ever, which was in 1995. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 20-some years, it's only been one, you know, so it's just like we're underrepresented in in the children book section, only, you know, 3% of the of books are of characters of different ethnicity. So, I mean, out of a stack of 100 books, you gotta find three that, that may or may not look like, that may look like your kid. But then I felt like the focus on most of those that did look like our kids, they were focused on them looking like our kids. You know, it was just like kids going on adventures. Like, I love, like, The Proud Family is like one of my favorite oh, cartoons yeah. growing up. So like, you know, like those things, like, you know, where it's like, it's on Disney Channel or, you know, like Doc McStuffins were awesome too. That's why Dora Explorer was so huge, because, you know, it was like, it's only one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's multiple of them. All the characters in children's books are usually, you know, white characters or animals, you know. Mm-hmm. And then if it's like a black kid, it's like, I'm not my hair or, you know, my hair's not nappy or something like that. But it's not just a black kid going on mm-hmm. adventures. And with my daughter, I don't want to have to worry about her hair. What it, I don't give a shit what her hair looks like or wherever it may be. I just want her to understand that black kids can go on adventures too. And so with the the books and stuff that I write, it's really just about characters that look like her. Well, AJ looks just like her. My first book was based on my daughter. Yeah, because her name is Austin Jet Rose. Mm -hmm. We just call her Jet. But it's based on her, so it looks just like her, and it's a kid that's going on adventures. Never once talk about her hair or skin color or anything like that, or I love me or whatever. You should just love you wherever you are. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the other books out there. I'm just saying there's not enough where you could just go out there and just be like, oh, boom, this one, my daughter will love this one. Ooh, bam, you know, and they have both parents at home in the book and just go on these different adventures where it's just a kid who's just using her imagination and having fun. That's what it's all about. So, like, a lot of characters I create are characters of um, different ethnicities or mostly African-American kids, but they're all, I say I create pop music and not Mm -hmm. hip-hop, so it's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, where it's hard for some, you know, white kids to enjoy those characters as well. So It's also family-friendly. Yeah, super Mm family-friendly. So it's like, um, so, like, right now I'm working on a, a new cartoon series, mini series that I'm finishing up right now, and then the whole cast is all minorities. Mm-hmm. So all the voices are all minorities. Because mm-hmm. even like in that department, it's the same way, like in the in the film industry, it's the same way, it's mm-hmm. not a lot. It may be one here, one there sprinkled in, but it's not like a full minority cast. So that's mm-hmm. one thing I made sure I focused on when I got my chance to really, uh, and as I say, I'm pretty sure I think there's 
we have one white voice in there, you know, but you know, it's like, I'm not saying make sure at least everybody's. Yeah, it's like, I'm, yeah. yeah. Everybody's in there. Like, I'm not going out like, Oh, let me find one Chinese kid, yeah. one black kid, one white kid, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, one Mexican. It's like, you just I mean, want diversity. Yeah. I'm just looking yeah. for diversity. I'm open to all, um, all, all, uh, all people. And I, but I, at the same time, I want young black kids to understand that you could do voiceovers. You don't have to do, just do hip hop. You could score films. Like they mm-hmm. never think about that. They because yeah. they don't know that they can do that. Like there, no one told them. That. All these kids, these cats, these cats are talented. The ones yeah. that's making these beats and uh, doing all the instrumentals and stuff. They're super talented. They're making music for the whole world. Yeah. So you tell me they can't learn to fi- score films? Mm-hmm. You know. So it's just, or the storyteller to the, the tell stories. Dr. Seuss. All of them. They write in rhyme all the time. So you tell me that these kids who can write all these bum ass lyrics. You know, they don't know that they can write children's books, too, with the same pentameters and different pentameters, Shakespeare, but, um, (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's okay. Shakespeare for the kids. Yeah. Even like Dr. Seuss wrote in a certain rhythm and it's like scientifically proven, like it's a certain way that kids can understand different things. But, um, so like when I create things, I create stuff for people who look like me to have something that can inspire them too to go on adventures because subconsciously we grew up thinking that only white kids could go on those adventures as much as I love Harry Potter it's like three black wizards in the film and none of them have a major role mm-hmm. like I always say there ain't no brothers doing magic you gotta be the one to make a series about <laughs> it's, it it's, yeah. that's what I'm saying so yeah. it's like and, but I also feel like if I don't make black characters then who will so mm-hmm. many people came before me they had their chance mm-hmm. and they never did it mm-hmm. so for me to build a world where my daughter could grow up watching cartoons where she feels inspired like oh i want to be a doctor like doc mcstuffins a, a veterinarian i want to work on a dog oh yeah. his heart is beating oh look it's a bunny like those type of things mm-hmm. now she thinks about being a veterinarian because doc mcstuffins was so you get to implant those those ideas in their age for uh, at a young age, and then for also I usually work in children's content because if a Pixar movie goes out, even if you don't have kids, you go pick up your niece, or you go pick up you know you go you go as a family. So like these films and children's book, they bring families together. So if I give someone a children's book, most kids can't read them to themselves. So a parent has to sit down and read it to them. So for my idea, it may be a, the biggest idea. I feel like I'm bringing families together. When I create things, so that's why I, that's why I do a lot of stuff I do at the Imagination Agency. How do you juggle this all? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I was talking to my wife about that last night, and one of our friends. My wife's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday and, to wifey! Yeah, and they were drinking wine. I don't really drink wine, or I like a glass of wine here and there, but I don't really drink, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, because I don't like the way it makes you feel the next day. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. Saying this on Cinco de Mayo too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will have a margarita on the beach. Like if I'm on a vacation yeah. and I'm on the beach, a mojito or a strawberry daiquiri. Yeah, like yeah. those type of things. I'll yeah. have me a margarita, you know. Yeah. I usually don't finish it. I let my wife finish it or whatever. But <laughs> nice. just to have the taste is like I feel yeah. like I'm doing something with some salsa yeah. or whatnot. So enjoy your drinks, you know. Just don't drink and drive if you're out there. But <laughs> yeah. um, um, I think the biggest thing is I prioritize things. And when you, the other thing about the black community is that we don't really own too many things either. So um, ownership is huge for me. So like I started my own publishing company. I published my own books in, in China and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's so many different avenues, but it takes a lot of research. And it's hard to do, man. I have to wake up early in the morning and talk to people in China and there's a the language barrier and you don't know. You're like, hey, what is he saying? But it's important to you, so you make time for it. Because 
football, I can't give my daughter football. Mm-hmm. If I had a son, there's no guarantee that he'll be good at football anyway. Mm-hmm. He may suck. He may not want to play football. Yeah. But creativity, uh, I could give that to him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the Walmart kids are great. You know, mm-hmm. Walton's kids are great because they all have a piece of Walmart, something he built. And all they had to do is learn the business. That's something I could teach. I could teach yeah. my daughter the, the creative industry. I could give her, I could give the imagination agency to her. Mm-hmm. You know, if she wants to go in that field and work in that, I don't, I don't know what the hell she's going to do, honestly. Uh, one day she's, digging up fossils and the next day she's a ballerina and a ninja warrior princess so uh, I try not to dream dreams for her and let her develop her own dreams but um, I should write that down Um, but (laughs) but um, but it's really just about it's just a balance of like knowing when I gotta do things like I have a really good team too that works with me too and uh, like prioritizing organizing like and I, I'm not afraid to delegate. I'm not too close to my ideas where I don't give room for them to grow and let you know other people who are working with me help them grow to be better products. Because first, because all I really care about is having the best stories, mm-hmm. and you know, and you only could take an idea so far. So finding people that you trust to build and grow with, because all the ideas in our company come straight from my head. So like, there's no like no one else is coming up with story concepts or anything like that. And when you tell stories or you try to get people to understand stories, is it's hard because the number one thing is it's a perspective. Mm-hmm. But so if you don't have a perspective on a on the world or different views, then you can't really create. And so, but the thing about perspectives is it's just from your point of view. Mm-hmm. So teaching people to kind of try to see the world the way that you see the world, but then adding their own little flair because they may see something totally different from you. So being able to take what they are because it's what they have as well because it's called. It's a great book. It's called Collective Genius. So basically, um, I'll give you like the synopsis right now because I have a book club too, so I'll read a lot of books or whatever. So. Gosh, you're making me feel like I don't do shit at work. <laughs> God damn. Okay, so tell me. Collective Genius. Okay, so so Collective Genius. So right now, we're all in here meeting and we're working on a project, all right? So as my job as the leader or the creative director or the creative director of awesomeness is what my job title is <laughs> at work because like that's it. where we're creating awesomeness. And everyone gets to make up their own job title you find out a lot about people when you let them make up their own job title because it's pretty funny what you see in the emails um, <laughs> but um so like we're meeting and my job is like if I come in I have this one core idea this is the main idea the story is about you know we got the kids that's going to do the rap group and they're going to grow up in the high school and they're going to make the music that's the core idea that might be my only slice of genius for that day but as we collect, if we brainstorm a session, there's someone she may, Deidre may have, may have, <laughs> she may have, um, she may have two slices of genius. Yeah. You may have one. Pete may have two. But my job is to make sure I know which slices of genius they make the right pizza. Because mm. I've shared her slice of genius as a sausage pizza, but we're making pepperoni, then it doesn't really fit. Even though it's a great idea, it's like, that's not fitting into this pizza. So my job is to collect all the slices till we get a whole pizza. Mm. And I kind of look at myself like that with my team sometimes because it's like, all right, I'm building this. This is a story. And then even when they do have their slices of genius, it's still your job to take it and tweak it because they don't. Sometimes they don't know they have slices of genius because mm. they don't really see what you see in that idea that they have. They may, oh, that one sucks. But they was like, oh, why did he like that one? You know, mm-hmm. I thought those were, they may thought the other three were the better ones, but the vision has to stay. You provide the vision for them to do or not. So being able to delegate, delegation is a huge thing. And I think a lot of people are really too close to their 
their stuff to really let it grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people are that way because they're afraid of growth because growth means more work. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I think just, and I don't really sleep either. That's like the main thing. I'm always working. At, cause I mean, I, that doesn't surprise me with all the things that you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, how I, many hours of sleep do you get? When I, you do get sleep. I can't sleep over 640. I can't sleep over 6 hours and 40 minutes. Otherwise, I'm groggy. Interesting. Yeah. Did you do that from, like, self-research? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so I do. So you timed yourself, like. Well, I, I track myself every night when I go to sleep. Nice. So I see how long okay. I sleep for. That way I know what's good. Because I don't take naps. So, mm-hmm. um, well, sometimes I do this little thing. I don't know if it's a nap or not, but I do this little thing where I sit, like, in a, I lay on the floor in a, in a room and... Uh, say if I'm like working on music or something, I'll just lay there on the floor and I'll just kind of, what I do is I go in the room with this idea, say I'm working on a story, I got this idea for this story, but I don't really know how it's gonna work. I'll go into this room and just go in this dark room and I'll just sit in there. And meditate on it. I don't know if it's meditation because I'm literally just laying on the floor on a pillow. (laughs) 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 It's a new form of meditation, like, you know, it's a new new age meditation. And I'll just lay lay there and then like, you know, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's an hour, and I pop up, and I just when I pop up, I pretty have I pretty much have the whole entire thing, like figured out at least like you know from beginning to end, and I just pop up because a lot of people are like man, how do you write? Because I write a lot of stuff very fast, like I have an idea that I'm like all right, I, I hit you back in an hour or something or whatever, and I just go lay down, and when I wake up, it's like boom. Or I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I go to sleep honestly. I couldn't tell you what happens in this period of time. <laughs> Cause sometimes my daughter walk in there and I remember I'll talk to her and then she'd be like, okay, daddy, I'll see you later. And I'm like, all right, bye bye, whatever. But I don't really like, it's just like, there's a whole different stream of consciousness. Yeah. And then when I wake up, it's just like, just like can't get it and I don't stop until I finish. And then it's like, yeah. boom, then I could put it down that I could go eat or whatever. But it's like this one process. And I usually do that when I'm stumped. Yeah. And when I'm stumped, it's like, I don't know. I actually I should video record myself to you see should. what I do. A time lapse and see. What yeah, what I because I don't. I might be walking around the room. I might not even. It might just be my spirit moving yeah. around. I might my body. Right. I might be like Bill Cosby and Ghost Dad. You, you yeah. know, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, that's me right there, but that's me right here too. Like, yeah. I don't know, but it's like this thing. Um, but it works for me. Like, I think everybody creatively has a different thing that they do. But I tell everybody the number one thing to creatives is to pick up the pen write it down and just do it yeah in the shower i write on the glass in the shower <laughs> amazing i write everywhere yeah then I, I end great. up drawing a lot of hearts with eyes on the start on the shower because my daughter I always asks me to draw different stuff she's like daddy draw hearts in the shower and i was like i want to draw some so she draws in the shower yeah that's amazing and then when every time you take a you see all the steam come up. You just have all these hearts looking at you. You kind of feel loved. It's like it's like someone keeps sending you heart emojis on your window. And your uh, sometimes I do creepy stuff. I leave notes on there for my wife, like on a uh, on a so if she yeah. take a shower and whatever, and it just pops up and it just be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> that is a little scary, <laughs> but I, that's amazing. I got this. I just got this Deadpool, like the six foot five Deadpool statue. That I just got in my house, and this fucking shit scared the shit because I'm not used to seeing it. And it's like this guy. With this well, gu- not too many people have a Deadpool statue. So. Yeah, and it's like he has his gun, he has his two swords, and it's like lifelike. And like this morning, I was, like, I was telling him, I had this, I had this, sli- I had a sliding door, and like I slid the door open, and Deadpool's just standing right there. I'm like, oh shit, it's, 
<laughs> it's 5 a.m., bro. What you doing? In the, how you get up here? And then I told my wife, I sent her a text. I said, yeah. and the, um, the car driver didn't want to come to the door. He's like, man, I didn't want to go to your door. That guy was there right there. <laughs> so I mean, thought it was an actual person. Yeah, he's like, I've seen a lot of security, but I've never seen a guy that has that in it. Mean, is that why you bought it? So you could just like fend off creepy people from your from your place? I collect, <laughs> I collect toys and books. Uh-huh, okay. So and I saw this one at the I went to Comic Con C two E two in uh, Chicago. And I always feel like at those things, everything has a price because there's everything's for sale there. Yeah. So people don't have prices. People are, you know, <laughs> some people have prices, but you can't buy me. You can't buy love either. Yes. You could try, this though. That's true. You could try, though. Um, you can't put a price tag on more talisman. Nah. Because I, I have a barcode. I'm just, I know I'm jumping, but this is how my mind works. I have a barcode on the back of my neck and like I just because I'm on a new team and guys like man you got barcode on your neck can I scan you <laughs> sounds like a pickup line like what bro no you can't scan he's like it's like does it work I'm like no, no. shit don't work and then I was like I was like but under the, all the numbers are my brothers and sisters birthdays oh, wow. so it's like it reminds me that you no know, life is priceless the most valuable thing or the people in your life and um I do what I call it sounds like slavery but it's not I collect people and this best, is where you have to explain yourself. Yeah, I mean, so this is part of my creative process too. So I collect people. So basically, we meet all these people in our lives. But um, so what I do is I collect people. Like I invite them in, and I see if they fit with. If because I don't want people, I don't like people in my life who doesn't, who don't have. It sounds selfish, but if you have nothing to offer me, or you're not making me a better person, then I don't really hang out with people like that at all. So like, usually my friends are usually like, hey, suggesting books or or suggesting documentaries or suggesting like different stuff that you should see. Or you surround yourself with people that you can learn from. Yes, yeah. it's the best thing ever yeah. too. I always feel stimulated. Like they'd be like, oh, did you watch this? Shit, I did not watch that. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to check it out right now. But then the conversations are always about growth because. You want to water other people's gardens. You don't want to just tend into your own. But you also want people around you who could recognize weeds and pull weeds out. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing with like people. So if I bring a weed in, then I have to make sure that weed doesn't come in and corrupt the rest of the garden. So mm-hmm. that's what I kind of mean when I say I collect people. Gotcha. I don't want any weeds. Although some of my friends do smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> but you say you, you're trying to keep a healthy garden. Yeah, I try to keep you a healthy you. garden. Well, Martellus, thank you so much for dropping so many life gems and sharing your story with us on Ballin' Now. Really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. Now I could tell people that I'll be balling. Hey. Love it. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Namaste. I don't do yoga, but I always want to say that when I (laughs) leave. That seems like the appropriate way to have this conversation. (laughs) But thank you again. (laughs) Appreciate it. Peace. Uh, Swerve. I'm in everybody's way. Uh, I'm getting paper. That's what everybody say. Pull up. And that was Martellus Bennett, you know, dropping gems as as he does on his Twitter, um, on his EPs and mixtapes. And, you know, he just has so much, I guess he has so much thirst for life is what I could say because he is always constantly learning about people. Um, he's such a great dad, you know, as you, you heard from him, like telling his, his daughter that she can do anything that she wants and just trying to bring families together, which is really cool. And this is all beyond his, you know, his, his day job of being an NFL star. So um, definitely check out the Imagination Agency. Definitely check out his EP, uh, I'm Not a Rapper, but some of my friends are. And stay tuned for that album, which he says is on the come up. But that was 
that was it for me. And that is it for episode 20 of Ballin' Out. And hopefully we'll see each other soon. Peace, y'all. Inside my DNA